He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 143 of Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson and I'm joined as always by Barry O'Hanran. Hey Barry. Hey James. Hello listeners. If anybody would like to get in contact with us, the Twitter handle is at a good talk golf and the email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. I suppose we start where we always start and that's our own games and uh, you and I played around a golf together for the first time since kind of late mid to late June at the weekend. Yeah. And it was so unremarkable, that's about as much as we can say about it. We probably shouldn't talk much about it. It was a difficult, really difficult day. Course was very firm. Greens were probably as fast as I've played them down there in Drew's Heath. Um, they were rolling quite well, which, uh, which was nice to see. But, you know, added to that, there's a, you know, probably two, maybe three club wind at times, and you have a very difficult golf course. The CSS was four over par for the course. Um, there was a couple of very good scores went in there, um, which is going to happen out of a field of 100 people, but by and large, the field struggled quite uh, quite a lot, and uh, we were part of that struggling group. So they made, they made a few, what I think, in terms of the greenskeepers, and I think this is really something that isn't just a problem where we play. I'm sure it's a problem where a lot of people play. It's like they have a schedule and routine of work and nothing, whether come rain or shine, are they going to deviate from it. And I think the difference between your good clubs and your superb clubs is that difference between a club that has a greenkeeper or a pro who looks at the weather forecasts and say, Okay, it's going to be very, very windy this week. Let's not cut the grass on the greens right back as we intended to do for this weekend because it's going to make the course virtually unplayable. Let's maybe not cut the grass in the roll-off areas quite as much. Good example in Druid's Heath, the 17 has a, a big green above above us playing into the second. Yeah, it's a highly elevated green. And your father came up, who was playing with us, your dad came up short, hits a chip, a pretty good chip. Like he had put it on maybe 15 foot onto the green and all of a sudden with the wind, with the direction, it rolls back down off the green and ends up 10 yards further past than where he actually hit the chip from. You on the same hole hit a pretty decent wedge in, you know, it wasn't okay, it wasn't absolutely brilliant it wasn't the best chip you've ever hit but it was it was good enough Mm. you ended up with a very small amount of spin and i mean a minuscule amount of spin the wind took it the slope took it and it ended up virtually back at your feet you know and that doesn't make sense to me when you look at the weather forecast you see the wind you see the way it's going to prevail you see the idea just don't go out on the Friday evening and cut everything back knowing what the weather is going to be like on the Saturday. And that was, I think, the biggest mistake that they made, which made what was already going to be an extremely difficult course weather-wise 
virtually impossible to play because of of mistakes that humans made avoidable. which could have been avoided yeah <clears throat> certainly avoidable mistakes and we were talking to the pro afterwards and um he was saying a couple of the pins he had advised that they shouldn't put them in certain positions and that wasn't listened to which was unfortunate um there were co- one pin in particular was on I'd, i wouldn't say quite the crest of a hill it was actually just slightly beyond the crest of a hill on eight and the wind was blowing down you know downhill so even putting up to that your ball could actually rock and roll right back down to your feet it it didn't happen to us but i'm sure it happened to some people well i ended up hitting my putt beyond the pin yeah and it stopped uh what was it three foot four Mm. foot maybe beyond it and i to say that i only touched it to start for the for my next putt is probably an understatement you you hit it with the shadow of your putter as like it really really was and it trickled and if it hadn't gone in the hole it was 15 18 i would have been back to where i had been so you know there was just a few a few things are just frustrating and you see there are avoidable mistakes or avoidable course setup things like uh, faux pas or problem issues it's kind of frustrating and especially if it affects your round negatively and you, you can see how something if the pin had just been put another five yards that way or another two yards further up the green then this massive problem that's probably affecting quite a lot of people in the course and their enjoyment you know it's a it's a frustrating thing and i'm sure it happens across courses and no setup's ever going to be perfect even you know we see the usga and the rna they get their setups wrong every now and again on pga tour courses week on week they do get things wrong in the setup. Like nobody's going to get it right, but there were just a few too many things they made. They should have done differently for uh, for Saturday's competition. Um, well, looking ahead, yeah, where this Saturday we're going to play the intermediate scratch cup in uh, Royal County Louth, Baltray. Is that this Saturday? Yes, it is. Oh, it is. Okay, I probably shouldn't have booked golf for Glen Druids to heat this Saturday. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I forgot. Um, um, so that that should be interesting—a a quality course. This, I suppose, is is a course that some certainly Irish guys will know and European players uh, might remember. This is actually where Shane Lowry won the Irish Open when he was an amateur. Uh, it's just north of Dublin in in Loud uh, in in Andrade. It's a real links course. It's one of the, the best in the country. Um, looking forward to it, Barry? Now, uh, now, that, now that I've remembered it's on this week, I had it in my head it was next week. So, um, absolutely, yeah. It's been a long time since I've played the course. All I remember, it, it, like a long time as in, it's probably close to 15 years. So, uh, I've just had the good feels memories, um, for want of better words than that. So, uh, yeah, very much looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, anybody you've ever talked to that's played it always has good things to say about it. So, uh, hoping we have the same same experience uh, when we go this week. Yeah, well, um, we'll, we'll yeah. review it, I suppose, and hopefully uh, we'll... I've, I've been grinding on the range it. a bit recently. Uh, got a lesson with uh, Pat Garrity down in Drew. It's just a, just a little look over and uh, he spotted a few, a couple, of, a couple of very small things, but significant things that I'd slipped into not doing or slipped out of doing so um yeah hopefully starting to feel a few better ball strikes coming back there's a little bit more consistency um did about two and a half hours in the range last night it wasn't just hitting balls relentlessly i was taking time between shots to try to get it right so um yeah a little bit of good feeling but um yeah hopefully it translates into some scores because i've now gone back out to 11 
I've hit, yeah, I've well, hit my handicap you, ceiling for, this, for the year. You've, you've reached your Waterloo. Um, all right, well, look, you know, I suppose everybody at this time of the year is trying to look at where they are, where they thought they would be, you know, with kind of about a, two months, probably only just about two months left of mm. the season. So I suppose everybody is probably thinking, you know, where they are and where they want to get to. And I suppose it's not a bad idea even just to get the old basics, uh, the grip and the stance and the swing looked at. Um, who might not have a couple of months left in the season is Rory McIlroy. Yeah, so let's move on to the news then. I suppose the big news coming out of the PGA was that um, a guy that we thought was going to contend significantly this week isn't. But more interestingly, he is possibly not going to contend at all uh, for the next number of months, Barry. Yeah, it seems like that rib injury just never fully healed. Um, he says he's having issues with his, you know, his ribs, and he was feeling numbness on the inside of his arm. And those are not good things. And you're saying that they were affecting the way he was swinging the club. And David Duval's come out this week to say he can see slight changes in Rory's swing. And the more compensating moves you do to to pre- protect an injury, you're, you know, you're liable to injure another part of your body to by doing that. Um, so it's the right like look, FedEx Cup's great make loads of money defend a title a couple of tournaments he won last year but the most important thing is to be healthy and for the long term of his career and uh, if this rib injury is causing him to swing in a way that could adversely affect his body in the long term he needs to just do what he says find out if he needs to take the time off if he does take the time off get fully fit and then come back. It, it's not definite that he's no. not going to play again this year. I think that there's a lot going on. You know, we've obviously had the caddy change. That's obviously now going to be a delayed decision on who is going to take up the, the bag. New clubs, marriage, caddy change, rib injury. You know, big, lots of things going on this year. No victories since the FedEx Cup last year. And I think, yeah, he contended what in South Africa, you know, early on in the season and lost in the playoff but you know yeah not the level of of contending in the quality tournaments Mm. he would want to ultimately with Rory this is going to now be two years ultimately you know last year and this year that's going to be interrupted by significant injury he needs to go off and I think that this might be a blessing in disguise for him because you're right you know new clubs whatever that that entails but the new, new ball the, the new marriage you know maybe go off and see the world for a bit maybe go and spend some time sitting on a beach and just enjoying you know kind of recharging the batteries and come back hungrier than perhaps he is at the moment and come back with a full tour schedule come back with three four five weeks of tournaments rather than this piecemeal that's happened this year because of injuries, because mm. of this. It hasn't been... he In two years, he hasn't played a, a proper set of, of tour events, if that makes sense. And he needs to. He needs to, because all of a sudden, there's a lot of generation of guys. It's getting tougher and tougher for for the likes of Aurori, of any of these guys. A couple of weeks out of, you know, between now and, come say, February... Rory could be down to 6th, 7th, 8th in the world. You know, there's every yeah, chance that he, he could be... Um, he can't possibly give a shit about his world ranking. It's... Nobody... Like, you... He himself said he, his aim this year was to get back to world number that's one. Fine. So yeah, I'm guessing that, I'm he sure does give some I'm, shit to I'm him. sure that's through victories, though. And what's remembered at the end of the day is 
if you've gotten to number one, great, you got to number one. Nobody's ever going to compete with Tiger. You might get to second or third on the list of longest amount of weeks at number one in the world. But what, what golfers have talked about when their careers are over is how many majors they won. And we know that. Like We talk about it all the time. It's not how many tour victories you had. It's how many majors did you win. If he wins the majors, he gets back to world number one. It's a consequence of winning the majors. His focus is the majors. Obviously, winning a tour event is a great thing, but it's all about the majors. He he needs to do what is right for his body. If if it means, like you said, go off and just tour the world for three, four months, get healthy, that's great. You know, he'll come back and he'll be hungry. And um, well, you mentioned him. Let's move on yeah. from Rory and. and I'm not sure we'll we'll spend too much time talking about Rory at the PGA, but let's move on for the moment. You mentioned mm. him a minute ago, Tiger Woods. Um, court appearance this week, he didn't turn up. Um, he has taken the option that's available in the United States, as I understand, to go to one of these diversionary courses or something that gives him a chance to, to, to kind of mitigate the case. More interestingly is being in effect the toxicology report that's come out Barry and uh, it, it shows quite a few substances that were in his, his blood at the time that he was arrested yeah but they're, they're mostly painkillers and uh, sleep medication and then uh, THC as well which is found in marijuana but they can't prove it was marijuana he's taken so um, Tiger's statement here as I previously said I received professional help to manage my medications recently I'd been trying on my own to treat my back pain and a sleep disorder including insomnia but I realise now it was a mistake to do this without medical assistance I am continuing to work with my doctors and they feel I've made significant progress um, the, the thing about all this is in the States they seem to just relish the demise of their heroes I mean, there was the release of all the footage of him being arrested, and then there's like the release of the toxicology report. They seem to just indulge and love this public humiliation and embarrassment of their heroes. And I think this is just it's crass and a horrible, nasty way to do things. And it means he has to come out and go on the defensive when the guy's just trying to do everything possible to get himself right. Um, you know. Well, Let's no, talk nobody, about the other aspect. Perfect. Let's talk about the other aspect, which is far more important than that part of the statement that he uh, released. The bit that I was more interested in was that he says, regarding my back, I recently spoke to my surgeon, and he's very pleased with how my fusion is healing. I'm on schedule. I'm now doing some light lifting, riding a stationary bike, and putting a little. We've heard it before. We've seen it before, but in terms of an update as to how he's doing because ultimately anybody who's a, a fan of golf, anybody who is a fan of, of, of competitive golf, you want to see Tiger back, you want to see him competing mm. if he comes back. Above all of that, for all the enjoyment that Tiger has given us over the years, you just want to see him healthy as well. Um, it's great news to hear that you know at least the surgeon is indicating that the surgery has gone well, the fusion is healing, and that he seems to be on whatever schedule he believes. Yeah. It sounds like it's still a while away before he's swinging golf clubs and back competing, but it's good to see that it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I can't like I can't say undergoing a back surgery is something you're going to bounce back from pretty quickly. Neither was have experienced it, and it seems like it would be massively and lengthy to come back from, as we've seen with Tiger and his previous ones. So hopefully they've got it right this time. We all want him back. Um, I just I just think it's uh, I'm not a fan of the the way they. Tr- 
the, the public humiliation of their heroes in the states. I just don't like the way they've done it. Or they do it over there. It's um, it's he's a, also I think it's been a bad hanging taste. out with uh, Justin Thomas this week. Yeah. Um, he was with the Wanamaker, uh, a trophy he knows well himself. Um, having dinner uh, together and uh, catching up, which was uh, yeah, again, that's cool. Something nice to see. The thing I like the Tigers gone. He's a bit more um, out there on social media the last while. You see a little bit more of him. So whether this is in response to him trying to cultivate a slightly better image against all of the negativity that the media has got out against him because of the DUI or the supposed DUI, uh, even uh, I'm getting myself in a mix here. It is good to see him back in social media. Hopefully it's a uh, prelude to him coming back to the golf course. Well, ultimately for him, ultimately for the guys like Tiger, it cuts through what the, the media spin, as you say, the guys who want to sensationalize things. It's his own words. It's his own message. He can put out what he wants. So it's it's a good medium for him to try and get directly the truth at the uh, the issues. So look, uh, that that's, I suppose, uh, Tiger Watch. We haven't had Tiger Watch for quite a while, but there you are. There's Tiger Watch. Um, let's move on and as we all now know Justin Thomas won the 99th PGA Championship at Quail Hollow um, before we get into the meats and bones of the tournament itself can I just start with this I found the coverage annoying mm-hmm. I found the manner in which it was broadcasted on this side of the pond frustrating as hell mm-hmm. um, and for a championship that wants to be as big as the other three it failed miserably at this whole new this is now my opinion you might say differently to this I think the whole the app was appalling the live streams were um, patchy at best um, on one occasion I was on the website watching it and then it came up on a screen that said Sorry, you're in a jurisdiction that can't show this. After I'd been watching like 20 minutes of it on the on the app, all of a sudden it just said I can't watch it any longer. I then looked at it and it was like, if you live in the following regions, please tune into the following. And it was like, Great Britain. Well, now the people of the PGA Championship in the app need to know that Ireland isn't Great Britain. Yeah. Because Ireland was not on that list. We were blocked. <laughs> um, so I found the whole thing. I know they're trying to be cool. I know they're trying to find new ways of doing things. I just thought it was one unholy mess and it might have been the fact that it was not Sky Sports. I found the BBC coverage when it came on live and I, I, I went through the BBC website eventually and got through to watch it properly. They did a decent production for, by their end. The commentary was Peter Alice, you know, things like Ken. But they were being shown footage. Like, to give an example, and this is going to be the end of my book, Barry, and then you can take over. <laughs> We already knew that Kisner missed the putt on 17 because you could hear the, 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 the groans when uh, Justin Thomas was on 18. Even Peter Alice said, according to the computer, Kevin Kisner has just parred and missed his birdie putt on 17. Then two minutes later, we go to watch the putt on 17 at Kisner. Which was delayed, it was out of sync, I just thought it was shocking. And I think it, it ruined what I was hoping would be an enjoyable week of watching golf. Yeah, I, I don't want to just duplicate what you said. I agree with pretty much everything you've said there. I found both apps, the app and the website, um, an absolute nightmare to use. 
slow, laggy, buggy. The app crashed a lot. Um, I refused to watch the BBC coverage, basically uh, because I have I was able to get a, the CBS stream, and once I had that in play, I was happy enough. I had my Peter Costas, you know, my my regular the other commentators we hear quite regularly from, so I was reasonably happy with that. Um, and then a little bit of social media you hear that the BBC coverage is, is bloody awful so I have no inclination to switching across I think I switched across for the ad breaks and that was about it and that got me two or three shots but was that the was the feed it was different feed? as far as I know um, and the where were we the feed I was I was able so I'm able to get the CBS the American CBS feed and I also had the Air Air Sport here in Ireland, which was taking an American feed. I think that was different from the BBC feed. So I think there was three different feeds. From what I could tell, it's it's just there's no synchronization. They the whole thing was they tried to put the product out and um, get it to the masses, but they've no there's no there seemed to be no overall theme in how they were putting the product out. It seemed like they had different teams putting out different ideas about what this event was supposed to be and how it was supposed to be pushed out to the masses, and from that, there's no cohesion. You, you you feel no cohesion. You feel no product that, that's gathered together or knows what it is. It had no clue what it was this week. The thing that drove me nuts from watching the coverage on Air Sport, I got the American commentators, but what it felt like for the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and most of Sunday was all I was watching was a feature group of the leaders, and when they were walking between the green and the next tee box, they threw in a few other shots from the rest of the the rest of the uh, the tournament, and then you're right back to a, what what it felt like a feature group with just uh, you know cameos from other golfers thrown in every now and again. They they're so quick to dump golfers off the feeds that that were there at the very start or of interest or two or three shots away from the lead. You know, it's but to give that a, a, a uh, very clear example, I think that Jordan Spieth at one stage, uh, I think it might have been Thursday. Thursday, maybe sorry, either Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But Jordan Spieth was like, you know, putting for a par on the fifteenth or fourteenth or something. He was on the back nine, and the leaders were teeing off, and they missed the leaders teeing off because they were showing a feed of Jordan Spieth holding yeah. a putt. Like, get your priorities right. And I also think that one of the major problems I, I certainly felt, and it's not just with this week; it, it happens quite a lot. Oh, we haven't seen pick insert name of any golfer that you haven't seen for two hours yeah oh he's 150 yards down the fairway let me guess where this golf ball is going oh surprise went in the hole yeah and you're just like don't either don't bother showing it or just like or save up all those shots and show them in one kind of super cut of like here's 10 crazy things you didn't see on the golf course today and you're like okay and now i'm expecting 10 crazy things that'll be kind of interesting but in any event, yeah. let's move past the gripes, the, uh, which I certainly had. Last, last but not least, was what what is with the PGA holding back or getting everybody else to hold back what scores that they publish? So the PGA Tour app is probably a hole or two holes behind. It seemed like the PGA was holding back other outlets from publishing the scores at the same time as they are. They if do they, that at every major, though. Yeah, like yeah, the British Open, at the Open Championship, if you don't have their app, you're delayed on the European Tour. I'm okay with you doing it, so long as your app is bloody good. This app was not, and that's yeah. the thing I've got a big issue with. Like, You've got to have a premium product if you're going to act like that. But it's also, it's not like this is, it's not like apps were invented six months ago and this is like cutting edge. Like these are basic things. It's a multi-billion dollar industry 
like get your app right if you're going to go this way if you're going to push people onto social media if you're going to try the app thing then you need to have tested this rigorously to know that a lot of people are going to come onto it you don't want to crash like i stuck in all of the various golfers i wanted on the app and then i i went out um and i went back into the app about an hour later to check something and they were all gone yeah i was like well i'm not doing that again i know anyway let's move on quail hollow as a club there were changes we talked about them last week as a golf course barry as a major championship golf course did it live up for you or was it all really centered around 16 17 18 or did it did it tick enough boxes for you as as a pga championship course or was it a regular tour event course tripped up a little bit for a major okay (laughs) a lot of different choices and my thoughts on the course i thought there were an awful lot of very potentially exciting hole or potentially very exciting holes on that golf course um, you've the combo seven and eight, you know, par five, uh, par four, you can get pick up two birdies there. The tenth was a very gettable par five. Uh, the fourteenth was a very gettable par there, the drivable par four. Uh, you know, the fifteenth was a great par five, you know, lots of excitement around that and the approach shot was very dramatic. Um I just thought the setup was they missed it a touch. Thursday, Friday, Saturday were quite were kind of boring. I mean, I know Friday they had good, there was good scoring in the afternoon, but that was just because of rain. Other than that rain, Friday was going to be an absolute mimic of Thursday, which was a bit of a struggle, to be honest. I thought the greens were greens were fantastic, but I thought they had them set just a little bit too fast this week. And you, know, you could see the players were defensive with their putting rather than being rewarded for a little bit of aggression, which is what we kind of see with the PGA Championship, you know, the, the go-for-it kind of uh, attitude. Kind of, can give you good rewards and that only seemed to really come into effect Friday afternoon and then Sunday which was after the rain so I think they missed a little bit of a a bit of a beat on the course setup one of the great things I loved about the course was the change to Bermuda rough and what what you could see out of the result of that was players having unpredictability out of the when they were playing from the rough and I thought this was great it wasn't just to bomb it and gouge it and know that they can hit a wedge and the wedge is going to go this exact distance they had unpredictability from the rough, even around the greens. And this made this made it more of a challenge. Like it really asked the question of your ball striking and how you read the grass and how you understand how the ball is going to come out and where is it going to land and how you plan to get the ball to, you know, on the green or in the hole. And I thought that was a really interesting element of the of the tournament, and, and, which I particularly enjoyed. And the the likes of that rough means that if they are long you know, it's not a guarantee up and down. Mm-hmm. Hideki Matsuyama being one very clear example of, of, of chunking, you know, he just didn't know whether it's going to come out hot, it's not going to come out, you know, and then it's it, it's a real it's a real test. And, and that, that was the bit that I liked in terms of the rough. Compare it back to a couple of weeks ago at the Open Championship in Birkdale, where the rough really yeah. didn't get to play as much as a role in it as it should. This week we have a complete opposite. Fairways were key. When you were off it, a bounce to the left, it's sitting up, it's playable. You know how it's going to come out. Bounce to the right, it's sitting down. You can't see the ball, it's disappeared and you're hacking it out maybe 30, 40 yards. And then all of a sudden, it, it's a totally different hole. All the Some of the gettable par fives, all of a sudden now, they're, they're, they're just looking to par them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the, the great thing. I thought the risk-reward, the accuracy, and then just pure luck as to whether or not you've got a decent lie or not 
really test it a lot more than just hit a drive. doesn't matter where it goes because wherever it is, I'll be able to hit another one into the middle of the green. The difference might be I won't be able to go for the pin if I'm you know, in the rough compared to this was one where you go in the rough, you have a chance that you could end up with five, six, seven, eight, you know, on, the, on that hole. Um, Justin Thomas, 73, 66, 69, 68 for 276, eight under. Uh, two ahead of Francesco Molinari and Patrick Reed and Louis Eustazen, who all finished tied second at six under, with Ricky Fowler, Hideki Matsuyama, a shot further back at five under, and then Graham Delat, Kevin Kisner at four under. And then, I suppose, just to finish out the top ten, and the only people who broke par for the week, uh, Stroud Day, Kucher, and Jordan Smith all finished at one under, and then from tied 13 down were evens and out. Um, the PGA is always one that people don't get away with shooting kind of 22, 23 under, certainly not since Rory did it all those years ago. And Jason Day in Whistling Straits. They, they, they've kind of paired it back. They yeah. don't want those big, big numbers. They don't mind them if they happen, though. You know, it just depends on the on what what the weather does. Um, and it also also lends itself to the course that they're going to play. Mm. You know, some courses will lend itself to. This was never going to be one that a 16 or 17 under was going to win it. Let's start, I suppose, with the winner, Justin Thomas, good friend of Jordan Spieth, talked this week um, since winning about the fact that seeing his good friend win the Open Championship a few weeks ago. We've seen this a lot. Irish golfers spurring each other on. Spanish. South African yeah. spurring each other on. Friends, you know, Jordan Speed, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Smiley Kaufman. These guys go on holidays together. They hang out together. They room together. Like Butch Harmon's always talking about them on Sky Sports, that they're just four lads having the crack and playing their golf. Justin Thomas is now a major winner. Jordan Speed is a major winner. I wouldn't want to be Ricky Fowler in that house at the moment because I'm guessing that there's going to be quite a bit of uh, ribbing going on with him. Yeah, there's only so much smiling and kind of, I'm happy for you, bro, you can say. Um, just I, never got going, though, did he? Just, he just, again, flattered to deceive. Another. We talked about Rory and looking at Rory at the idea last week uh, when we were talking about the Open Championship about how you can look back at maybe some of his majors over mm. the years and see like tight second tight third fourth fifth and think whoa he he, he did really well like he can but he didn't ricky, ricky did ricky did brilliantly ricky made one sorry ricky had a bad three hole stretch and this is the thing that on third on this on was the Saturday bit that night, like you can't, the one time you just needed to get it home in the house level par for those three holes and he's banging business then for sunday he's right in a great spot and you just the concentration slips for a little bit or something just didn't go right and that killed him he was too far back then six six back was too far back because this the course wasn't giving up a super low score on sunday which we could see from early on you could see if somebody could shoot 67 it was a phenomenal score and that only get that means the leaders have to shoot over par for him to catch them that's it's he was so close this week a three-hole stretch was the difference between him being right in there on Sunday evening, and, and that's it. That's it's the fine margins like that that the whole major balances on. And definitely, if after the fifteenth on Thursday, or sorry, the fifteenth on Saturday, you had said, "Who's your money on right now?" I thought we were going to get the Hideki Matsuyama, Ricky Fowler mm. going down eighteen, 
slugging it out. And then you think, okay, 16, okay, it's a bogey. It's not too bad. It's not too bad, Ricky. You know, just see out the next two. Let's see out the next two. Another double bogey, 17, and then bogey, 18. And you're just, I don't know about you, but I have my head in my hands for him going, no, Ricky. You know, this was definitely one that you've now... And, and sometimes you can say, another guy went out and won. And I'm not suggesting that Justin Thomas didn't go out and win. Mm. But I just feel Ricky is going to think to himself, I kind of let it slip through my hands. He, yeah, he didn't have the Wanamaker trophy in his hands, but he he let his big chance to be right in there in the conversation on Sunday on Sunday evening out of his hands in those three holes. It's, um, listen... If uh, if he learns from it, then that's you know that's great. Uh, I'm sure he will. He's not. He doesn't seem like a a um, somebody doesn't learn from his mistakes. He has progressed his career. He's and he's getting to that stage of hopefully winning a major. Um, I just hope the pressure from the media doesn't kind of get into his head too much and actually help uh, prevent him from doing it. Because you know he's seen now his friend Thomas come on the tour and grab one very very quickly, whereas he's been grinding away for a few more years. Uh, look, he did great. He started with a triple bogey on his fifth hole of the tournament, which you know, kind of derailed him a little bit, but he bounced back brilliantly to post a 69 around one. It's it's just that small margin. So, listen, Ricky, not going to worry about it too much. He'll hopefully, you know, he'll learn from it and he'll come back again for another strong year next year and contend. Well, let's look at Justin Thomas, who did yeah. win this, and you look at some of the stats, um, you know, he was... Um, 50 50 um percent driving accuracy you know tick we talked about that last week that's he, terrible though for the field when you look at it it is it's tied 113 however but you then move on to greens and reg if you match it with his driving distance though well two what was it 344 was he was for the uh he, he uh, sorry yeah he averaged uh what was it three three thirty 30 i think for the week he was first first in driving distance for the week and he gets into the top twenty in greens regulation, so these are these are great. You need to have a decent week with the putter. Well, he decided to have a really hot week with the putter, and he was tied second for putts per round. So and then add greens and regulation, and he's tied eighteenth. Yeah, you've you've hit all three of the most important stats oh, that superb, we talked yeah. about last week. This, you know, and that's and I think I think one of the key things for me this week and what he did on the golf course was was what he didn't do, and he didn't have a double bogey or worse. And on a golf course, it was quite punishing in parts. And not that easy to pick up too many birdies, although we'll get to it in a second. He didn't have something that was very difficult to come back from. He didn't have to make two birdies to make up for that double. He just had to make one one birdie. So keeping it to bogeys only this week was a big key for uh, big key for me. And that allowed his lots of birdies as part of his game to get him to a good total, which was eight under. And, and ultimately... You know, it's 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 not a huge surprise at times to see that he was ranked first in birdies this week in the mm. field. You know, and that in itself shows. I think he had like seventy two putts uh, for the whole week. You know, it it was a very tidy round of golf uh, for four days that kept him. When it got tough, he was able to keep it going. And we talked about Ricky, where he let it slide on on Saturday. Big moment coming down kind of the green mile for Justin Thomas on Sunday. Um, the green mile we knew was going to play a, a relatively large part of this tournament. 
I think what was he one over? I think for the whole of JT, the, yeah, JT for, the, yeah. for the for the four days. That in itself, I think, tells the story of Justin Thomas and how he has now got the Wanamaker Trophy. How impressed were you? We didn't really see him as somebody who was going to come through the field. And and kind of, in a way, a little bit rightly so. I was I, I after he won on Sunday night. I was like, how okay. I like to do a good bit of research before before these tournaments to put you know to to try get a find a good place to put my my bets for the week. So I was just trying to think like how did I miss him or why did I miss him? What was the reason? So I went and looked at his you know his form coming into it. He since the U.S. Open he'd missed three cuts and I think it was twenty eighth last week. So the twenty eighth last week he may have had an okay. If, if I looked in a bit deeper to that he may have had an okay week in his long game where his putting might be off, but. That's no guarantee that your putting's all of a sudden going to come back the next week, you know. So, the previous form wasn't great. And I think that the thing, I suppose, ultimately that I settled on was it was a human factor. So, you know, he had the disappointment of the US Open, which was two majors ago. He didn't go great in the Open Championship, but his friend won the Open Championship. So, he's got the disappointment and uh, his failure in the US Open to contend after putting himself in a great place after his Saturday 63. And his, uh, his poor round on the Sunday. So he's used that experience. He's he's learned from that. Add in the friend factor, like you pointed out, you know, the group of his friends. His friend has won the most recent major only a few weeks ago, Jordan Spieth. He's now got double motivation in, in an emotional sense. And he's got a pretty decent golf game, as we can all, as we all, we all know he has. So, But can you go through that whole process for every single golfer in the field or every single one of the top 20 or 30s? No, so... To me, it's not it's not one I'm kicking myself going, I can't believe I missed him. But at the same time, I'm like, eh, you know, I can see why people would have picked him. And for anybody that did, congratulations, great pick, great bet. He was available. You could see he was widely available around 40 or 50 to 1. So really, really nice odds to, to get for a bet. And Or if it's just for a fantasy league, it's a really good pick as well. Because there was a lot of other guys that had much stronger claims uh, going into this tournament than he did. Well, let's let's look at a few of the the, the guys who were the also rounds. Um, Molinari, Reed, Ustazen. Anything out of those three that kind of you can point to to say, <sighs> Usti's pudding. You know, yeah, like though. In if, fairness, if, his lip syncing is excellent. Oh, that was pretty solid. Yeah, you got to give him credit for that. Um, it felt I haven't looked into his stats. I'm actually just going to pull them up here. It felt to me that Usti's putting was the thing that possibly killed his uh, week. I did have a, I had a bet on him on the exchange for 80, the win. Eighty-three market. putts for the week. So he, um, so he had he was uh, he was seven off. Uh, what, um Seven puts more than... He's tied 35th in putting. So he's just... It's one or two puts, and that's it. That's the one or two shots. It felt like he just missed one or two that might have been the diff, the key difference. Um, yeah. When he made that eagle on uh, 15 to kind of pull himself back into the tournament, and then I was thinking, okay, Gary, I might have a chance to, to lay off some of my bet here if he could just hang on for a second, or even make a par on 16, uh, or make one birdie on the way in. But immediately dumped a shot on sixteen, and that was that one dead and buried. So, um, who else? In fairness, he, he birdied eighteen, and not many people did that this week. Made a bit of <laughs> made a bit of a freakish bomb on eighteen. Um, got brilliant round, brilliant final round by Francesco Molinari. A little bit schizophrenic in his scoring 73, 64, 74, 67. But you know, it all added up to six under and his best finish in a major. So. That'll give him great confidence. And at that time when Molinari signed for that six under, I was starting to think that this 
there could actually be a four or five way tie here because right now there had been, you know, kind of Ricky was trying to get close. He then mm. couldn't quite get in. Matsuyama was still out there. He was kind of going between six, seven, four, five. He was all over the place at times. But all of a sudden there was a moment where like Kevin Kisner, uh, Ustase and Reed, Molinari, Justin Thomas and Matsuyama were all kind of that one shot between six and seven. No, under. it was brilliant. And I'm thinking... I'm not sure who I'm backing right now. No. This is this yeah. is. I didn't see. I didn't see Justin Thomas birdieing seventeen. Like I, you yeah. know, like it, that was a phenomenal shot. Can we talk about that for a little bit? Like a seven iron, two twenty. He he maybe may, may hit a two seventeen. I know it was playing six seven yards downhill. So call it two ten. He's absolutely smoked that. I'd say it's one of the... And I think he said it himself. It looked like one of the best shots he's ever hit. He, the more the pressure was applied to him... This is actually one thing I was really impressed about. Um, the better his swing looked. It, like, it just it got more confident. It got more aggressive. But without being out of control. It was just... It was a thing of beauty to watch. And his swings with the driver and then that seven iron. You, I could watch that on repeat for hours. But it's... A, it's, it's it was one thing to do that bit. It was next to then hold the putt. Uh, and, and you know, I like the way you shrug your shoulders as if it was, like, easy. Yeah, uh, there wasn't that many people who were holding that putt. Um, there wasn't that many was people a, who were putting their tee shot into that place on the green. Or yeah, guys no, were putting that putt for par. When we talked earlier about the, the core setup, you know, come 16, 17 and 18... Do you, was it that the, the, the course guys decided, the PGA decided, do you know what, we'd actually like to see bogeys, double bogeys, triple bogeys coming down, rather than the flip side of, let's make all of the pins somewhat accessible, like, let's move it to the right, and let's see how many guys can go make birdies on 17. Was, do you think that, you know, the idea of the, the, the negative, not the positive, mm. you know, on Sunday of all days, where maybe giving the guys a chance to, like, none of the last three holes were particularly accessible they for birdies. They weren't screaming, I'm a birdie chance. But the thing is, if you look back on the previous 12 holes in that golf course, there are lots of birdie chances around. So it can't just be all birdie chances or birdie possibilities. And I kind of like that those holes are, you're going to have to make really bloody good swings down the stretch to make your par. And if you make two brilliant swings on the par fours or a brilliant swing on the par three, you'll have a chance at a birdie. And... That's that's under the biggest pressure. You can pull off the great shots. You'll get your birdie chance when the rest of the field will really struggle to have a par chance. And I, I think that's a it's a good mix between giving them chances for decent chances for birdies earlier on the round and then asking them pretty serious questions for the last few holes. On days when you need to go low, and even days when you get to Sunday and you don't even have to go low, you just don't want to blow up was Hideki Matsuyama's one over on the last day when he finishes a plus five. Is he going to be one of the major guys in this field who's going mm. to go, oh man, I'd like to do over Sunday. Just Sunday. Well, what about Saturday? He was two over on Saturday. But but even with the two over on Saturday, oh, yeah, he's, you're, you're yeah. still in the field oh, yeah, on yeah. Sunday. Oh, if if you just kind of take that line and cut it off on Saturday night and go, do you know what? Whatever's happened, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure, six yeah. under... And I'm in this with the chance to win it. But to go and shoot, like when you look at everybody, Justin Thomas was three under, Molinari four under, Reed was four under, Ricky Fowler four under. Then you get to Hideki Matsuyama, one over. No, it's not on Sunday. Enough. It's just like, Hideki, 
Jesus, come on. Like, he, he was as frustrating to me as Ricky Fowler was. You know, you're kind of going, there's only so many times that doors are going to open. Mm-hmm. And, and I again think that Ricky and Hideki Matsuyama might look back. You know, I'm not saying they're never going to win. Of course I'm not. But I think they're going to look back at times and just think to themselves. I dropped a good chance there. You know what, there. the 99th PGA was one that really, you know, Matsuyama more than Ricky. But I definitely think Matsuyama is going to be scratching his head this week going. He made, he made five bogeys on the back nine on Sunday. Not cool. You just can't do it. Um, he's, look, um, if he's smart, he'll learn from it. And he'll figure out what he did wrong and he won't do it again. But... It just—it looked like the guy was swimming against the the current when those bogeys just started to rain in on him from you know eleven, twelve, and thirteen. It just seemed like it all you know. Sorry for Hideki it all for it to all get a bit quick is kind of funny, but it didn't really. It it just seemed like the momentum was against him and he just couldn't battle out of it. Um, Let's look at yeah. just some other players. We could go through quite a few. Nice to see Jason Day. Roughly back, if we take away the Saturday uh, slight hiccup in it. Oh, um, the Saturday on yeah. 18. Yeah. Like, That's something we can all identify with. Let's, let's not dwell too long, but let's just say, watch it back, folks. Because if you haven't seen it, it will make you feel a lot better. There's a great lesson to be learned for us all there. Just, you know, think it out a bit. Um, and, and it surprised me with him. I know we, I said it, yeah. we weren't talking about it, but no, what surprises me is the world number one, ex-world number one. Major winner, like what he was thinking, and I don't know whether he was being smart. Well, like I haven't heard an interview with him, so you can fill me in if he mm. if he tried to explain this. I just don't understand why either the caddy or him or something light bulb moment didn't go and say, "Do you know what? If I have to go back ten yards and play backwards up the fairway." That's a far better idea than trying to... I don't even know, was he trying to play it down the path? Was he trying to play oh. it into the into the grandstand on the idea that he'd get a, a drop yeah. and he might get this? That. I just don't know what he was thinking. And the flip side of this argument is Jordan Spieth, who I think, and I said this to you on text during the, the tournament, there's something about him that either him, his caddy, or both of them have a very clear mind at times when they're in the shit he's on the path and all of a sudden he's gone gardening you know he is moving those pines to give him a good lie you know now a guy on sunday said to me do you not think that if he was doing that he was improving his lie once he had removed all of it and he kept kind of he he kind of moved stuff with his nails away was he i said look i think you're getting a bit too technical about that the difference here is jordan speed thought this through Jason Day did not. Did not, and no. the one reason Jason Day didn't contend at the end of this tournament was because his clear thinking wasn't there. And I think what Jordan Spieth does is he, he might not know the rules inside out. He might know the rules inside out. But what I was saying to you on text was he asks the right questions of the referees to give him the opportunity to get these drops. Or, so he'll go, he'll ask the ref, is this pine straw a movable obstruction? Or, you know, can I brush it away? Whereas not all players would. Some of them might just go, do I get a drop there in the, off the path? And the ref will go, yeah, grand. And they drop and they're on the straw. So Spieth asks the right questions to give himself these potential beneficial drops. And, and, and they're all pa- within Patrick the Garrity, rules. Patrick Garrity, the pro that we know, who's down and drew his heat, drew his Glenn, 
uh, he's always talked about knowing the rules mm. and using them to your advantage. We saw it at, at, at you know Towergate last year. We've seen it this year at the Open Championship again this week. So now all of a sudden you have this situation where knowing the rules is beneficial. Could be worth, Use them to your benefit. It could benefit. be worth two or three shots a round, you know, in, 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 on certain rounds. It could be worth nothing to you on a round, but on one round it could be worth a huge amount. It's a wonderful game of speculation. I just think that if it had been Jason Day, if it had been Jordan Spieth where Jason Day was, Spieth makes I think it, worse. I think it's a different, uh, yeah. different outcome on eighteen. Anybody else, Barry, that kind of threw up anything of of any interest? You know, I'm not. Let's not talk about Rory. He was tied twenty second for people who don't know. Um, never really got going. 72, 72, 73, 68. Um, Ian Poulter. Henrik Stenson, like anybody who missed the cut that you kind of thought. I, I was really surprised at Adam Scott. He just kind of barreled away after an opening day 71 that looked reasonably solid. Phil Mickelson's kind of gone into free fall since himself and Bones parted. Maybe Phil's pining for uh, Bones. I don't know. Justin Rose missing the cut, but he hasn't really been the same since the Masters. So, um, like 79, like it was a tough. Tough day, and then most of the guys who missed the cut had big, big numbers on day one. They yeah. were all in the the, the the mid to late seventies, you know. Sergio. And it made it very difficult to try and make the weekend at that stage. Yeah, Sergio had a couple of eight over. Um, My good friend Danny Willett switched that and had seventy three, seventy nine. Yeah, uh, on you, the one day most people played all right on uh, day two. Look, you can forgive Sergio and miss cut. He's probably still half drunk from the Masters win and his wedding this year. So uh, what about Thomas Peters, a guy that we thought last week? You know, seventy nine, seventy seven. I did not think that he would be quite as off. It, maybe it just wasn't his 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 week. Maybe the that's weird. Maybe, didn't maybe look at him, but maybe the course didn't fit his eye. Who? I don't know. That's that's a bad reaction to. That's going to hurt him even more now that he hasn't bounced back and played well this week after get it going so close last uh, the the previous week. Mm. Um, hopefully he figures that out. It's it's not it's far from ideal. He will have wanted to put in another good performance this week to to back up the good form, and uh, unfortunately he didn't. We 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 can all see what he can do when he's on fire, and uh, he's still he's still very young. So well, let's I'm sure let's wrap the up right. the 99th. Justin Thomas is the winner of yeah. the Wanamaker Trophy. And um, out of five, kind of where do you rate this as as a as a tournament Thursday, major? Thursday, Friday, Saturday gets about a one to a one and a half for entertainment. Sunday really got going, and it was up around a. Three and a half or a four. It was pretty. It was pretty damn good at one stage when I think five of them tied at seven under. Got very interesting, and there was lots of birdies on Sunday, and there was lots of bogeys, which which changed and chopped around a bit. I, I feel that uh, on docking points, uh, the coverage should have a separate ranking scale. So let's not do that. The tournament itself was uh, was quite entertaining on Sunday night. It just took an awful long time to heat up. You. Um, I, I'm I, just simply because of the poor coverage and mm. the annoyance of the whole thing. I'm I'm putting it down as one of the uh, the worst that I've I've seen. Not because of the players, not because of anything else. Just simply because I don't think you can enjoy it when feeds are dropping. You're then changing and you're changing it again, and it just became frustratingly annoying. So as as to leave on a final positive thought. Um, I like the theory behind what they're trying to do. They're trying to get broadcast the game to more people and get the game out across a wider audience and embracing new media and social media. So 
I love the theory. They just need to figure out how to make it a more cohesive product and have um, just, yeah, they, they need to work on it a lot more and they have nowhere else to go but getting better for next year. So let's hope they uh, they get their act together in that. All right, well, we've we've had a quite a long discussion, so we're going to run very quickly through next week's tournaments. The European Tour is the Fiji International. It's uh, co-sanctioned. Uh, 2016 winner was Brant Snedeker. It's taking place at the Natadola in Fiji. Um, there's also a, a, a main European Tour event, which is the uh, Saltier Energy Paul Larry match play, which is taking place at the Golf Resort in Germany. Um, and then in the States, it's the last week for regular tour qualification to yeah. get your tour card. So, so uh, the Wyndham Championship is taking place at Greensboro in North Carolina. Uh, give us the, uh, do you have any of the uh, betting uh, on that? While you get that, yeah. more importantly, I suppose, for Europe and America in the Solheim Cup takes place this week. It's the female version of the Ryder Cup. I don't think anybody is giving Europe even a snowball's hell's chance to even still be in con. Which means they'll probably win. Well, hopefully, um, but hopefully they can just stay within touching distance of the the singles on Sunday and make it a contest. Um, The field in the Wyndham, yeah. We have Stenson, Kisner, Simpson, Moore, Haas, Duffner. It's overall, it's a lot of the guys fighting for the tour card or trying to get themselves in the top 70 or the top 30 in the FedEx Cup standings to make it a bit easier for them to progress through the FedEx Cup. So um, good luck to Seamus Power from our side of things. He is uh, playing to try to keep his tour card. Uh, if I can find him there, he is at 90 to 1. And I think it's Shane Lowry playing this week. He is also playing this week. So good luck to them. Shane was shown a few signs of some decent golf in the last few weeks. Just the mistakes creeping in. So if you can dodge those and hopefully put a nice week together. All right. Well, look, that's that's pretty much us. Uh, it was a good look back at the 99th uh, PGA Championship. It was good to have a chat about the good, the bad and the ugly about it. I'm going to watch a lot of the Solheim Cup uh, mm-hmm. and, and probably the match play over in Germany. Um, you and I are on... The tea at 11 o'clock in Beltray on, on Saturday. Yeah, links it up. At a good talk spoiled. A good talk golf. A good talk golf. It's good, good talk, talk spoiled golf. golf podcast. We are a good talk golf on Twitter. Bye bye, man. Well, you're fine. Bye bye.